This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 11. We're going to get into what we've been talking about here for a number of weeks during our midweek services and uh, uh, kind of continue on along this line. Y'all ready to receive something from heaven? Huh? You know, praise God, it's not so much what I say to you that matters. Really, what matters is what the Holy Ghost says to you through what I say. Amen. You want Him to speak to your heart, you know what? He will. Amen. He said He'd bring all things to our remembrance, whatever it is that He has spoken to us. So let's, let's turn our expectors on tonight. Glory to God. You know, sometimes, you know, we're sometimes at an impasse on certain things that we've you know, wanted to know, and we don't have the answer, and boom, all of a sudden, praise God, God can shed some light on that. And I believe He wants to do that. Amen? Praise God. And so, uh, I believe if we'll put a demand on Him this evening that, praise God, we'll receive what it is that we need to know. And how many of you know we need to know some things? Amen? I mean, you know, God's not through with you yet, you know, so there's a uh, number of things I believe He wants to do in all of us. Amen? So let's pray, and then we'll get into what I want to share with you tonight. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, Father God, for the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. We thank you, Lord, for what it is that you're doing in the lives of people. We thank you for the comfort and the hope that we have in you. When people pass from this life to the next, Father, we can still rejoice. When people, Father, find themselves in a place of trouble or despair or distress, that we can look to you, Father God, and that you'll bring about your divine plan and will for their lives. So we're so thankful, Father God, tonight for this hope and this faith that we can have in you. You said, Father, that if we would follow you, walk in the light of your word, that, Father, you would fulfill the number of our days. And so we thank you for divine fulfillment and all of those that put their trust in you. Father, as we break the bread of life, as we look into the word of God this evening, again, I want to thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father God, for bringing about and saying those things that need to be said. I thank you for revelation knowledge, Father, those questions within the hearts of men and women here tonight. Father God, may an answer come brilliantly, brightly, clearly so that they'll know for sure, Father, what it is that needs to be done. And we thank you for your blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Praise God. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Jesus, the Bible says, was uh, in the morning or on the morrow when they, he and his disciples, were come from Bethany. Jesus was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if perhaps he might find anything thereon. Well, when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, For the time of the fig was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And the disciples heard it. Let's drop down to verse 20. So in the morning as they passed by, they, Jesus and his disciples, saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter, calling to remembrance, said to him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, 
and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you yours. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Praise God. How many of you know that you can't harbor unforgiveness in your heart and get your prayers answered? Huh? It causes a breach. You say, well, why is that? Some people feel as though they're deserving, you know, to harbor unforgiveness because of a trespass or an offense or something that's been done to them. But you've got to realize, praise God, Jesus forgave you. And because he forgave you, you're under obligation to forgive others, whether you feel like it or want to or not. Can I get a witness? It's a great way to start a message, Pastor. Hallelujah. I mean, that'll just stir up the whole pot, won't it? You know, God really has our interests at heart. He knows how devastating. He knows how um, uh, um, ruining unforgiveness can be in the heart of a person. And that's why he doesn't allow it. That's why, you know, if you're going to have your prayers answered, if you're going to enjoy heaven's best in your life, then you're obligated to forgive. Now, a lot of times people will believe the lie that they can't forgive. But the reality is, if you're a believer and child of God, you have the capacity and the ability to be able to forgive. You may not want to, but you know you're under obligation to do so. And I'll tell you this much about it. From what I've witnessed, unforgiveness is not something you want to hang out and keep around where your life is concerned. It's not worth it. And, you know, Jesus talked about this. You know, he's talking about, you know, you know you're so concerned about the little, you know, moat that's, that's in your brother's eye, and all of a sudden you got this big beam in yours, you know. And so we're, we're, none of us are without guilt, and so we, we are obligated as believers, you know, to follow after what it is that God has asked us to do. Hallelujah. Peter asked that question one time. He says, hey, hey, Jesus, he says, how often do I need to forgive my brother? You know, like seven times, is that enough? <laughs> you know, and Jesus kind of just said, why don't you just quit counting and multiply that times 70 and you'll be close per day. Hallelujah. So, you know, 490 in a day, you know, that's, that's, that's quite a bit. In other words, again, it is not within the nature of the born-again, recreated believer to harbor unforgiveness in their life. You want to get your prayers answered? Then you've got to make sure, praise God, your heart's pure before Him. Is that good enough? Hallelujah. So, you know, <clears throat> during our, our midweek services, we've been talking about understanding the nature of faith. And faith is such an important component within our lives because it's by faith that we please God. It's by faith that we're justified. It's by faith we receive the promises of God in our life. So faith becomes a pretty important dynamic within our lives. And so we've been talking about the biblical God kind of faith because there's a lot of things that people describe as faith that really isn't faith at all. Many times people will think that they have faith when in fact all they have is hope, okay? And the two are not the same. Hope is that kind of gold setter that's out there, you know, showing you what the possibilities are. But faith is the thing that grabs a hold of that which you hope for. Hallelujah. Serves as the evidence of that which is not seen until it shows up. So they're both important within the body life of uh, a believer. But yet right on the other hand, praise God, you have to understand the difference between the two. Am I just hoping or am I in fact believing God when it comes 
to faith for my life. And so, you know, I mean, people have all different kinds of ideas about how faith works and what it is and all of that. But, you know, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what Jesus said about faith and its function where our lives are concerned. And um, I mentioned to you, you know, uh, you'll talk to somebody, you know, about... something maybe that they're they mistake bible faith for hope you know you'll hear them say well i hope so well it takes more than hope are you with me and so that's why we're discussing this and talking about it where our lives are concerned you know and um, when we when we look at the the scriptures we come to understand that jesus took the time to teach his disciples the operation and the function of the God kind of faith. Why is that? Because he wants you to know. He wants you to know how it works and what it really is. He doesn't want his children, you know, uh, settling for some kind of a counterfeit and then consequently never receiving from God the things that God has promised. Hallelujah. And, um, you know, because here's the thing, you settle for a counterfeit, what'll happen is you never get what it is that you're wanting, and then you get discouraged and give up. Guess what? God did not make you a person to give up. So we just need to find the parameters, you know, of what it is or the components that make up biblical faith and and get ourselves into a place to where we can enjoy what it is that, that God has provided. So when we talk about it, um, um, it brings great blessing. So let's go back to our text and look with me for a moment, if you would please here. Let's go back to verse 12. It says, in the morning when they were come from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Okay. And um, um, so he went to this tree to look to see if he could find anything on it. He probably knew. I don't, I don't know what necessarily drove him to go and look at the tree because the time for figs was not yet. So I don't know if he just thought, maybe, well, maybe, maybe his hunger just drove, hey, maybe, maybe there's something there. Well, he curses the fig tree because nothing's on it. So you got to ask yourself, you know, did Jesus wake up on the wrong side of the bed here? I mean, was he hangry here or what, you know, what's, what's going on? I mean, he missed breakfast or something, you know, and, and uh, uh, or was he just mad? You know, just grumpy. I know none of you ever grow up grumpy. Or wake up, I should say. You never wake up grumpy. You're just jovial as can be from the moment you hit the floor. I'm sure about that. And so he's just mad and decides to take it out on the tree. Okay? Well, I don't know that that probably would hold water. But what about this? What about the possibility that this is a divinely set up situation to serve as a teachable moment for the people that were following him called the disciples? And I'd like to suggest to you today, I mean, or tonight, I mean, if you've got a better idea, I'm, I'm open to it, but I think that's exactly what it was. The Bible says the disciples heard him curse an inanimate object. And the next morning they went by, Peter looked at it and goes, look at that. And so he brought it up and Jesus responded to it in just that way. And so again, I think it was a divinely set up teachable moment for the disciples to learn the function and the operation of how faith works. And so Jesus, you know, made this simple statement to him and said, have faith in God. In other words, have the God kind of faith for or because truly 
I say to you that whosoever, how many whosoever's do we have? Shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, and that's the kicker, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he or she will have whatever they say. Now, whether you believe it or not, you are really having what you say, good or bad. Because Jesus said that it's out of the abundance of the heart that our mouth speaks. And if you get around someone, you talk with them for a little while, you can pretty much, you know, find out what it is that's going on in the inside of that person. How many of you would agree? So that's why we are given uh, the, actually, uh, the privilege to behold wonderful things from the Word of God and allow the washing of the water of the Word of God to change the way that we think and the way that we believe. How many of you know that the Bible is God speaking to you? And in the Bible, it is revealed both the nature and the character of God, and not only that, but also the will of God. You know, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into the kingdom of God and have everlasting life. But what's unfortunate about that, even though God's will is, is that none should perish, unfortunately, many people do. In other words, they... They don't find a place of repentance. They don't find a place of acknowledging God and the need for God within their lives, and they, end up, and they wind up in hell. So that's an unfortunate thing. Now, did God will that? No, he said, I'm not willing that any should perish. But you have to meet the conditions. And the same thing's true when it comes to faith in our hearts. So, you know, that's why I say get in the book, let the book get in you. Colossians chapter 3 and 15 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you just a little bit. No, it says, let it dwell in you richly, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's, I mean, that's the source for faith where our lives are concerned. And so if we will allow it to dwell in us richly, it really will change the way that we think and the way that we believe. Glory to God. So in this story here, when Jesus makes these statements here, he wants to demonstrate to these disciples, the function and the operation of faith. And not only that, but he teaches them a spiritual law that you can and you will really have what you say. Okay? Now, I'm not talking about some psychosomatic thing where, you know, I'm just going to say it enough so that it'll come to pass. That's not what I'm talking about because, because the, the main fundamental function in all of this is whosoever shall say and not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things shall come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he says. For example, when my wife and I first got turned on to the Word of God, we didn't know a thing. We didn't know straight up from Sikkim. But I tell you, we began to read the Word of God. We began to see that God had a plan for our life. We began to recognize that God was a good God. I didn't know God was a good God. I mean, not until I, you know, uh, came to know Him and started reading the Bible. You know, I began to discover things I never knew before because a lot of times people will take the good, the bad, and the ugly and say it's all God. Well, I got news for you. The good might be God, but the bad and ugly is not. Huh? Don't be deceived, brethren, every good gift and perfect gift is from above, which comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God says, I don't ever change. Of his own will, 
He gave birth to you and I through the Son of God. Glory to God. So that we could be saved. So that we could be delivered. So that we could be redeemed. So that we could be set free. That's the will of God. Now, what's unfortunate is human reasoning and church traditions and the traditions of men and all this kind of get mixed up in all of this. And we lose sight of what it is that God is. Why did he send Jesus? He sent him to deliver us. Huh? Amen. He, he sent a deliverer, just like, you know, in the story of the Old Testament with Moses, you know, he's on the backside of the mountain and God comes to him in a burning bush experience and says, hey, I'm going to make a deliverer out of you. And he says, no, you got the wrong guy. Send my brother. He'll do a better job. He said, nope, you're the one. And so, you know, Moses served, you know, as a type or a shadow of the one who delivered the nation of Israel out of the hands of the Egyptians, which is a type of the world. Well, Jesus came, and glory to God, he was the perfect Lamb of God, paid the price and the penalties of sin and for sin, so that you and I could be redeemed, glory to God, washed in his blood, and have our very natures changed from that of sin to being justified in his sight. Isn't it glorious? So, you know, I mean, he didn't do all of that so that you and I could just kind of eke it out and do the best we can, you know, and have all kinds of this, that, and the other. No, there was a redemption from the curse that Jesus provided for the child of God and the believer. But you have to believe, huh? You know, say people, you know, I don't believe that. Well, you know, you're out. You're disqualified. Until you get your thinking and your heart straightened up and begin to believe what the Bible says, come on. You know, not what men think, what, you know, well, I got this idea. That's not, what's, that's not what we're talking about here. Hallelujah. We want to know our Heavenly Father. We want to know His will, and thank God we can know it through the Word of God. Now, there's another deceptive kind of, you know, theology. It goes, well, you know now, you never know how, what God's going to do. Well, yeah, we do. I mean, there are secret things that belong to God, but thank God He's revealed some things to us too. Huh? so that we can know that he's made promises. And we have every right as a child of God, praise God, to lay hold of those promises in our lives. Are you with me? And there's a lot of different ways that we could talk about that. But again, Jesus wanted to demonstrate, demonstrate to his disciples the function and the operation of faith. And what did he do? He spoke to that inanimate object and said, no man eat fruit of the year after forever. And the disciples heard it. Next day, it's dead. And so Peter, calling to remembrance, said, Master, wow, looky there. And so Jesus said, Peter and all the rest of you, I want you to have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. And this is what it is. Whosoever shall say and shall not doubt, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Now, unfortunately, a lot of folk believe stuff that's not real healthy or good. Are you with me? I remember I had a football coach when we were growing up, and every male within their family died before they were 50 years of age. And he said, I am not going to die. I, I am going to live past 50. And you know what? 
He did. You say, well, that seems a little bit weird or whatever. Listen, if, you're, if you're, your family tree genetics has a propensity towards not making it to 50, uh, guess what? That would get your attention, wouldn't it? Well, it did his, and he lived. I don't know how long he lived. Uh, he lived, I think, way up into his 60s probably, or even more so than that, you know? See, the thing of it is, is that he decided that he was going to take a different path. And he smoked like a chimney. I mean, he, did, he, he abused his body. I mean, he, he did everything imaginable, you know, that really, you know, uh, defied the laws of all kinds of things, you know. But I tell you what, the thing of it is, is that you'd be amazed what it is that what you believe, how it affects your life. Some people think, well, I'll never live past whatever, and they end up dying prematurely. All kinds of things. For out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. Well, what God wants to do is he wants to change not only what you think, but what you believe so that you can believe according to what it is that he has said. Are you listening to me? And have the kind of life that he wants to give you. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, you might have a lot of things working against you that would defy that statement, but that statement is absolutely eternally true. Jesus came to give everyone an abundant life. Now, you got to obey God. You know, we understand that. But, you know, even when we're obeying God, there are things that like to hang out in our life. And what we have to do is say, eh, passez-vous. You're going to have to leave. Huh? You cannot stay in Jesus' name. You know, here's a couple here. They were uh, Andy, you know, and I don't know. Did you have the problem with alcohol? They both did. I mean, well, one drinks, we all drink. Come on, let's get happy, you know. But, but bound by it, and Jesus set them free. Amen. And how long has it been now, Andy? Two years. Amen. Two years. Amen. Amen. You know, and thank God for it. Faith did that. Faith said, you don't have to live like this. Jesus set you free, and you don't have to be bound by this. And you know what? They just decide, you know what, let's believe this. I, I, that's not the right way to say that. The right way to say it is that they heard it and they said, we're going to believe this. And guess what? There they are in church on a Wednesday night. Wow, that's a miracle. <laughs> what? Yeah, amen. Yeah, amen. You know, I've watched people, <clears throat> we're talking about Merle Avis. He was a drug addict. He was messed up. Um, this kid, or he's not a kid, <laughs> whoops, uh, we're just young, you know, we're just kind of getting along here. I was in junior high when he was in high school, and uh, I remember he was uh, tasked with the responsibility of t uh, teaching us how to play football. He was a quarterback when he grew up in high school, and, uh, and uh, so uh, he was tasked with teaching us how to play football, flag football, and different things like that. So I had a relationship with Merle really all through my life. And his life, just like so many of us, revolved around alcohol and high school, you know, and things like that. Got out of school, got bound by it, then drugs, you know, and all these different kinds of things, and, and literally destroyed his life and destroyed his marriage and did all kinds of things. That's what this stuff does. 
you know. And, um, but thank God he got saved on a golf course uh, down in Trainer on hole number, I think it was five. Uh, somebody led him to the Lord and uh, changed his life forever. Praise God. And where was I going with this conversation? Um, my wife, she's sitting over going, nobody knows but you. Um, but um, I'm just telling, I guess my point to all of that was to say, faith in God's word will change your life. It changed his life. And he became a, a, a believer and praise God, you know, God turned his life around. God will do that for anybody. He will. He'll do that for anybody if we'll believe. All things are possible to him that Believe. believes. Right. You know, so if you find it in the Bible, baby, you, you have every right to have everything that God wants you to have. Everybody say it together. God's a good God. God, a good God. Now, maybe life hasn't been good to you. You know, people do this all the time. They're hurt. Uh, they're in pain. I mean, real pain. And they say, well, if God is so good, then how come? And then they fill in the blank. Well, you have to understand that there is the God of this world who is Satan who is the one who comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. And so, so often people will go through life blaming the wrong entity. You know, and when Paul was writing one time, he said, if God be for us, who can be against us? But a lot of folk don't have that knowledge in their understanding. And so they blame the wrong entity for the problems that are going on in their life. But if you turn your life over to him and you surrender your life to him, then praise God, he can take something terrible and turn it into something beautiful. That's what God does. Amen. And so it's so important for us to understand these things, you know, and, um, and recognize that God uh, is on our side. You know, um, uh, I'm going a completely different way. I'm looking at my notes and going, well, I don't fit this at all, you know, because I was talking to you about, you know, that uh, when Jesus talked to these disciples, you know, he was teaching them spiritual law. It's a law. It's an inevitable law that you cannot get around that you will have what you say. Did you hear me? You know? And um, uh, praise God. That's pretty powerful, huh? James extensively talks about this in his epistle about our tongue and what it can and can't do. I mean, it can set on fire the course of hell. Or it can bring real blessing in your life. That's why you need to put a watch over your lips. Are you listening to me? Amen. Some things, you know, you'd like to say, but it's better that you don't. Are you with me? Praise God. You know, uh, I'll give you a great example. Israel's a great example. I mean, that's why all that stuff's written in the Old Testament. It's there for our admonition, you know, uh, upon whom the ends of the world have come. Israel was God's chosen people, you know. He told Abraham way back in the back, he said, or way back in the back, way back in the beginning, he says, uh, he says, in you, all nations of the world of the earth will be blessed. And he believed God, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And there was a race of people that was born out of Abraham called the Jewish people. And God blessed them as they followed him. But when they got off and started doing their own thing and forsook God, then guess what? They had problems. And they'd repent, and then God would come back and deliver them and, you know, give them another opportunity. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? Amen. 
Well, so he's going to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. And he uses Moses to do that very thing. And I mean, by a miraculous hand, he does so. And he drowned the whole Egyptian army in the sea. And they went out, you know, with silver and gold, the Bible says, and there was not one feeble among their tribe. I mean, they were all healed and whole. And on the move, man, two and a half, maybe three million people. <coughs> That's a herd of folk. If you took a segment of our society and cut two and a half or three million people out of there, do you think everyone in that segment would not be sick? Sure, you'd find all kinds of sick and infirmed and messed up. But I'm telling you what, God supernaturally took these people and delivered them out from underneath the thumb of Pharaoh. It's glorious what it is he did. Isn't that right? And that's a picture, it's a type, it's a, it's a figure of what it is that he did when Jesus came. And he took us out, Jesus took us out from underneath the thumb of sin, glory to God forevermore, and set us free and made us new creations in him. Are you listening to me? And so it's important for us to understand this, but the thing about Israel is, is bless their hearts. I mean, God, I mean, miraculously delivers them. And they're dragging their feet the whole time. They're saying, just leave us alone. No, God wants to do something in your life. Come on, watch this. Ten different things that God does where Egypt is concerned and he delivers them. But these bunch of, the Bible refers to them as stiff-necked. Huh? I mean, they witness all of these things, and yet somehow or another, they didn't get it. Are you with me? And there's, you know, these 10 different things that God does in their lives, and then all of a sudden they see all these things happening, and then they get, you know, all fussy, and they start murmuring at the leadership, and they start murmuring at God, and, you know, all of these different kinds of things. And finally, God said, you know what? I'm done. You're not going to get a go where it is I want to take you because of your unbelief. Did you know that there's a place that God wants to take people, but he can't if they won't believe? You know, it's just, it's, that's all there is to it. Thomas was the same way. He said, you know, unless I can see, I ain't going to believe nothing. Well, Jesus walked through the wall one afternoon and said, hey, be not faithless, but believing. And he said, my Lord and my God. He said, Thomas. You believe because you've seen, but blessed are those that don't believe or don't see and yet believe. There is a difference. Huh? He wants us to believe his word. When he says, hey, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Are you listening to me? Huh? When you read the scripture, it says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. You can go to the bank. That's exactly what God wants to do in your life. So everybody say it together. Thank God for the Bible. Yeah, the Bible. I mean, praise God. That there is filled with buried treasure. Now, there'll be people that read it and say, well, I don't believe it. And it will, get, it will do them no personal good. But there'll be somebody else, praise God, that'll take that word and say, I believe the Bible. And I tell you what, it'll change their life. That's just the way it works. Huh? Woo! Glory to God. So anyway, back to the nation of Israel. You know, they kept, you know, uh, causing God and Moses and all the rest of them. Remember when they sent the 12 spies out? You know, he says, once you go check it out, make sure everything's the way it is. So they go out for 40 days, they come back, you know, they got this, you know, you do not get these from Welch's, but, you know, 
they got this, this cluster of grapes that they're carrying between two people. I ain't never seen nothing like that in Hy-Vee, have you? Huh? You talk about a land flowing with milk and honey when it takes two people to haul a cluster. Guess what? We got something going on. I don't know if it's in the water or what, but it's working. You know? Hey, here's the fruit thereof. But, but, there's walled cities. There's giants. There's, I mean, they're strong, we're weak. We can't do it. And yet, God had said, we, I'm, I'm giving you the land. Huh? You know, it's just like in our lives, too. You know, there's, there's things that we come up against in our life, you know, that are challenging, that are difficult, and we're looking for a breakthrough. We want to, you know, we want to get on the other side. We want to experience what it is that God has promised. Huh? You know? And, 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 and what ends up happening is, is that because of the circumstance, we, we, we stop or we fail to continue to believe that what God said he would do. Amen? And then we cast away our confidence, and then, you know, whatever it is, you know, that we're believing God for, whatever doesn't happen. I tell you, God is a magnificent, extravagant, glorious Heavenly Father. Now, he's not some sugar daddy, you know. Don't, don't mistake what I'm trying to say here. But I tell you what, he wants you to be blessed in a grand way. He really does. So you should believe that because it's true. You know, he was trying to get these people into a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, a land of blessing, a land of plenty, a land of... And yes, there were walled cities. Yes, there were giants. But you know what? God said, I'll give them into your hands. But they were... Remember I told you they were stiff-necked? They, you know, in other words, God had the ability to take them out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of them. And that's true when it comes to a lot of people in their believing. That's why the Bible says you need to renew your mind. You need to think differently. You need to think the way that the Bible thinks. And that takes some doing, you know. It really does. It requires effort. But I tell you what, you can do it. Amen? Well, as it turns out, you know, when the spies came back, they said everything, and uh, Caleb says, hey, well, they, they did the, the whole negative thing. Ten of them said, we can't do it. And two of them said, yes, we can. Let's go up at once and take the land. Huh? So we got a problem here. 15% says yes, and 85% says no. And guess what? An entire nation believed the 85%, and they all died in the wilderness and never entered into that land. Now, Josh and Caleb did, and anybody 21 years of age and on did, but all the rest of them, they wandered around out there till they died. Huh? And here's the thing. God judged them out of their own mouth. So you might want to be careful about what you're harping about. Just a thought. Amen. I um, think in Numbers chapter like 14 or 28, he said, I'm going to judge you just right out of your mouth. And you're all going to... Because they kept saying it. They were murmuring, you know, you, I would to God you left us in Egypt. You drug us out here in the middle of nowhere so we'll die in the wilderness. And he said, that's exactly what's going to happen. Not because he wanted it. Not because he's some ugly kind of God or anything like that. But they were just so full of unbelief. 
You know, they wouldn't, I mean, and when you think about everything that God had done for them, they still wouldn't believe. Are you with me? Well, you know what? We better get to believing. What do we believe? We need to believe the Bible. Amen? And when we do that, of course, praise God, um, you know, uh, we'll be blessed. Glory to God. So, uh, Bible faith is something that gets released by believing in our heart and declaring or confessing it with our mouth. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat its fruit. That's Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 14 says, A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. Let me ask you a question this morning. I guess we're in the evening now, aren't we? What, what, do, you, what do you let come out of you? What do you? How do you talk? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it ugly? Is it positive? Is it negative? What, what, what do you allow to come out of here? Because a man is going to end up being satisfied, isn't that what that scripture says? With good by the fruit of his mouth. You say, yeah, well, I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to just go stick my head in the sand. Can't you see there's a lot of bad things going on in the world? Well, yeah, there are. But you know, thank God Jesus came for a reason, and that is to redeem us. Amen? So I don't live by the world standard. Because if you live by the world standard, you'll die. But if you live by his standard, you can live. And I like living. Huh? Woo, glory to God. This is good preaching, Pastor. Keep it going, will you? Okay, I will. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. You know, sometimes we've all had instances where someone's offended us or done something, mistreated us, done things wrong, and boy, we've got something to say. But you know what? Sometimes we just need to keep and zip a lip and it's hard, okay? There ain't a human being alive that doesn't have something they would like to say about certain circumstances. But we're better off letting him be the judge. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Man, that, 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 that burst of, of silence was just like powerful. Hallelujah. Amen. So he who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his mouth or lips shall have destruction. And you, you've ran into him. You guys know him. You'll run into a foolish person, and boy, they're just flapping their lips, you know, or mouth about something and this and that and the other. It doesn't take very long to figure out where they're coming from. People don't understand the incredible power and influence in what you say. And sometimes, you know, when it comes like with parenting, People don't understand the influence and power in what you say to your kids. You need to tell them, praise God, they're more than conquerors, that they're going to make it, they can do everything that God says they can do, and that they're the apple of his eye, and God loves them. You know, a lot of kids that don't even know that God loves them, you know? Their parents don't love them, and they certainly don't believe that God loves them, and so it gives shape to their thinking. It gives shape to what they believe. It gives shape to their behavior, all of those different kinds of things. So we do have an awesome responsibility in bearing uh, uh, the, call it a burden, I don't know if that's the right word, but bearing the responsibility of being a parent. 
You know, and that's why learning great parenting skills is so important because a lot of, you see them all the time, dude. You go to Walmart and watch how people interact with their kids and you'll know they ain't got it. Huh? And that little blessing, bless their heart, they're going to be influenced by it and not in a positive kind of way. So just people don't understand the power and the influence in what it is that they say. And so they unwittingly, they say things, you know, because maybe that's just the way they've been taught. You know, sometimes this stuff kind of perpetuates itself. It becomes cyclical, you know, um, you know, in generations and things. Like that. Thank God that God broke the curse in my life from where I was to where I am today. Are you listening to me? So it's, it's really, uh, it's important. And <clears throat> you'll listen to people, and they, 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 they cast off uh, restraint in their conversations, you know. And uh, the results are devastating, you know. Parents, how you speak to your kids, you can either speak life into them or you can take it out of them. Yeah, so it's important. Praise God. And the thing about it is, is people that are foolish, you know, um, <laughs> well, the more foolish they become, the greater the destruction. This stuff right here, you guys, is true. Now, I may not understand everything about it, or I may not, you know, uh, do the best job of how I live it out or even how I communicate it. But I'm telling you this much about it. The Word of God is true. Are you with me? God spoke this, and this is it. So we just have to figure out how to understand what the will of the Lord is, align our lives up with what it is that he said. I mean, I know it's hard to love the unlovely. And yet the Bible says Jesus gave us a new commandment to love, you know, as he loved us. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love one toward another. I use the story often of a couple that ended up in adultery. Uh, the woman ended up with somebody that she shouldn't uh, be with. And um, after it was all over with, it, it destroyed the marriage. And so I have the responsibility as a pastor to try to help this um, husband who's just had his whole life ripped out from him. And you know, when you're, and this was many, many years ago, and I, I didn't know what to tell him. What do you tell somebody like that? So, you know, I'm looking to the Lord. God, you got to help me. And um, it just came up out of the inside of me, and I just said, you know what? I said, uh, I wish that there, that I had all kinds of eloquent words to try to give to you to help you in this situation, but I'll tell you this much about it. I said, if you will walk in love, that God will turn your captivity and he will bless your life. Because when you're in that situation, you don't want to walk in love because you've been hurt, you know? Huge pain, betrayal. I mean, you know, the list goes on. But I tell you what, that guy took that advice and I tell you what, he's got one of the most wonderful marriages that you could ever imagine. God sent him the best. Because he chose to believe that God would bless him for doing what's right. Are you with me? Now, not everybody does that. 
You know, the bitterness gets to them. Uh, the unforgiveness gets to them. The, the, the whatever, you know. Um, um, and it eats their lunch. But it's not the will of God. So, yeah, there are battles that we have to fight. But I'm telling you what, the Lord is on our side. Are you listening to me? You know, maybe you're here tonight, you know, and maybe you find yourself in that same place. Somebody's mistreated you. Somebody's done you wrong. You know, you're, you're angry, you know, and, and all of the things that are represented in the context of that. And, and I, don't, I don't pretend to have all of the answers because I don't. But I'll tell you this much, God does. And if you'll do what he tells you to do, he'll change your life. And he'll help you. And he'll bless you. He'll give you a life like nothing else. Amen. But we have to do it his way. And there's a fight to that. It's called the fight of faith. Amen. You know, when I told this individual I'm making reference to, you know, about that, I mean, here he is sitting in a house by himself, you know, and you can't imagine, you can't begin to imagine what kind of thoughts must have invaded his thought life about his once wife and where she was and what she was doing, all these different kinds of things. He had that whole thing to fight, but thank God he did it. I said he did it, and God turned the whole thing around. Are you listening to me? Because God wants to bless you. Believe that? Yeah. Hallelujah. How I many are still glad you came? Is it really 8-11? Huh? I may have to talk to Linda. She's taking up all my time with music. That's no, probably not right. But Well, uh, there ain't no use talking about any of the rest of this because it wouldn't do any good anyway. Well, it would, but... We don't have time to get into that. How many are glad you came? Amen. Praise God. Well, I tell you what, let's all stand. I, I guess I'm going to button it up here for the sake of respecting your time and uh, others that are working in various uh, departments within the church. You all been great listeners. How many are glad you came? Yes. You know, the thing you have to understand, you guys, is, is that sometimes it's not like you get some heavy revy you know, you, mean, you know what I mean by that? Some wild revelation that you've never seen before. But when you place yourself in an environment where the word's being taught, there's an influence. There is an input. There is a deposit that gets made by simply by virtue of being there. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. You know, I know people, they believe the lie. Well, you don't have to go to church all the time. Well, no. No, you don't. You, you, you don't have to. And a lot of them don't. And more and more and more, you see less and less of them. And it's, it's to be regretted. And the, and the reason I say that is, is because it impacts their personal life. But more importantly, it isn't about, you know, some keeping score, you know, how many times I've been to church. Man, it's about a relationship with God. You know, it's just this is the way we do life. And church is part of our life. But so many things attempt to crowd into people's lives. And then it, it starts showing up. It met, not immediately, but sooner or later, you know, it gets to them. So what do we do? Well, we love them. We invite them back. We do everything we can to help them. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you so much. For the privilege that's ours, Father, to gather in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to each and every one of us this evening, Father, building hope within our hearts about what can be and should be where our lives are concerned. We thank you, Father, for your blessing. As we come, Father, this evening, we thank you, Lord God, for your word that is true. Help us, Father God, to be people that are of a believing nature.
believing the word, believing what it is that you've said and promised. God, I thank you for strengthening those that are here tonight that find themselves in a battle for faith in their heart for what it is that you have for them in their lives. God, I thank you for restoring and blessing and causing people's lives, Father, to plane out and go in the direction that you have for them. Thank you, Lord, for bringing comfort. Thank you for peace. Thank you, Father, for removing anger. Thank you, Lord God, for causing men and women to be blessed as a result of having been in your presence. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, your mercy, and your divine grace. Hallelujah. Yes, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's just worship the Lord here for just a moment. Praise God. Let's just wait on him for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you so much. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Father, I ask you to speak to people's hearts here this evening, God, that that are needing a, 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 just a touch from you. God, help them to know that, they're, that they are loved, that you love them, that you have a plan for their lives. Father, I pray for those that are here tonight that maybe perhaps are discouraged. And God, let them know that this day will pass and that there's a new day coming, a new uh, horizon before them, even though they can't see it now. But I just thank you, Father God, that, Father, <laughs> praise God, there's better in their future. And so, Lord, help them to believe that, to know that, Father, and to walk in the light of it. So that, Lord, discouragement and despair will no longer be a part of their life. But, God, by your grace, you'll minister to them, you'll speak to them, you will talk with them, and you will help them. And Father, I just thank you for your blessing in this house tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. You may be seated. Bless you.